Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, we've been talking about finances, and it has been God's grace on us to be able to talk about a tough subject that sometimes is difficult to talk about. But the reason why we have to talk about this, one, God's word tells us what we should do with our resources. But one of the things that we reason why we call this financial fitness is because when it comes to physical fitness, we kind of know who's in shape, right? And we know the principles. We know we need to lose fat somehow, and we need to gain muscle. And when that happens, we can tell somebody's been working out, somebody's been cutting carbs, somebody's been doing something, and we can tell, and we say, man, you look better, you look great. Not so with money. When it comes to money, you can look like you're financially in shape. All the while, you are maxing out credit cards, all the while, you're living impulsively, and no one really knows how you're actually doing financially. What we talked about last week was the fear of missing out and how we have this tendency, this impulse to always want to do what everyone is doing. So we go to every brunch, we go and we get every phone, we do what everyone else is doing, and oftentimes we don't even look at what we actually have because there's a way where we can borrow money from someone else. And so many of us, are actually quite in debt. Many of us are operating not financially free. And the problem of the culture is that you can look like you're financially free while you're incarcerated in your debt. So what, so what does, what does that, what is the spiritual side of that? Well, the Bible said last week, Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Look at what Jesus says. For either you will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And what he says is that those impulses that you feel, the tension that you feel where I need to get the next thing now, that's like mastery over you. And that master has got to be run from and you can be free from them. But it is by submitting your life and your budget to God. And so we want to look at today, how can we begin to have a greater goal? Now, last week we talked about um, creating awareness or following the money, looking at your budget. It's been amazing how often people just simply just don't look at what they have because you can create debt. You can just swipe. And so you cannot look at your budget at all. But today we want to um, connect to a goal. If you were to have a GPS, the first thing it asks you is, where are you right now? Well, that's the point of following your money, creating awareness, looking at the app and seeing exactly what's in your ledger. But if you have a GPS, the next step is saying, where do you want to go? And what I've noticed is that many people don't have a clear financial goal. What should the goal be for a child of God? Where should you be going? What should be the overarching trajectory of your finances? Well, 
Well, I know what your functional goal is for a lot of you is make just enough to get by. Just so I can, get, I can pay rent, just so I can do all the things with all the people. Make just enough. And the goals that we have being pushed on us as a culture is make all you can, spend all you can. In fact, that's probably some of the things that you've seen in your family and friends is that you've seen people make a lot of money and they get celebrated because they make a lot of money and then they buy nice things and they get celebrated for that. And so you think to yourself, well, I wanna be celebrated too. I wanna be honored too for having a lot of money and spending it on nice things. But in the back of your mind, you know that there's some kind of spiritual goal you have where you know I need to start saving some more. And I need to give more. I need to give to the church. I need to give to people. That, that's kind of the goal I want. So underneath the cultural goals of make all you can and spend all you can, you know something on the inside of you knows I need to save and I need to give. And it's funny because whenever you're preaching, people are like, okay, this is going to be about tithing. The pastor's going to get to give into the church. So let's, let's get to the point, pastor. But actually, I don't believe tithing is the goal. I don't believe giving to the church is the goal. I believe there is a more transcendent goal about your finances that's bigger than making all you can, spending all you can, saving all you can, and giving all you can. I believe that we can discover what this goal is by looking in the Old Testament. Today we're going to be looking in 1 Chronicles, and we are going to be bouncing around in 1 Chronicles, but we're going to deal with the Old Testament story, story of David. David was the leader of the people of Israel, and David was coming to the end of his life. In fact, David was about to die. And as he comes to the end of his life, David is the most successful leader that Israel has ever had. They've won more wars, they've got more resources than they've ever had, more peace than they've ever had. And David decides that he wanted to do something great for God because at that time, the center of their worship was the Ark of the Covenant. That was basically a, almost like a box where they housed the presence of God and they had it under a tent. And David wanted something greater for God. He felt like if this is something for God, I wanna give all my resources to it. So David thinks to himself, what can I do great for God? And in 1 Chronicles 17, 1, it says here, here I am. David says, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. So look what David does. David says, I got this big old house while God's presence is living in a tent. And he thinks to himself, how dare I be in a big house while God's house is small? So what David does is David decides to raise the funds for a temple. He decides he wants to have a big house for God. Now, he ultimately would not end up building it, but that's what he desired. Now, God never necessarily told him, I want the house to be this and that, but he desired, I want to do something great for God because God has done great things for me. 
I want to do something great for God. And so what David does is he gets all his wealth, and if you calculate the amount of money that David ends up spending just to be able to build this temple, it would amount to somewhere around $14 billion. David says to himself, I want to build this temple. I, I want it to be awesome. I want God to be honored. And so then David invites other people to give as well. And when he invites them, this is what he says in 1 Chronicles 29 and 5. He says, who then will offer willingly, consecrating themselves today to the Lord? Now, this was David creating an opportunity for people to give and this wasn't like, you know, money lines where it's like a $5 line and a $10 line kind of thing. This is him saying, I want all of you all to give. I am giving, I want you all to give, but I want you to notice what he says. He says two things. I want it to be willing, and I want you to consecrate yourself. Now, we're going to talk about willingness in a little bit, but when he says consecrate yourself, he is acting like your giving is an act of worship. When he says consecrate yourself, the word consecration is essentially a word that means to dedicate yourself, to set yourself apart. It's absolute giving, self-giving. What he is essentially saying is don't just give your money first, give yourself first. Consecrate yourself before the Lord. And that you would be wanting to do something great for God because you know he's done something great for you and it is built out of intimacy and relationship. We, when we, uh, when we started the church years ago, we had a member who never came to church, but they gave more than anyone else. And I was mad about it and glad about it at the same time. Praise the Lord. Uh... And what I began to notice was there are people who give to the church so that they can have good things happen in their life. And what they're actually operating out of is not intimacy. They're operating out of divine magic. They want miracles upon miracles, and they are giving money for miracles. And they believe God is their divine magician that if I give enough money to the church, my life will be blessed. But they don't offer their life, they just offer their money. You see, and if you do not consecrate yourself, you turn God into a commodity. You turn him to a smart investment. I'll just give, to the mo I'll give money to the church so I can have a better life. Imagine if someone wanted to marry you and says, man, I'd love to be with you. You're so amazing. And right before you get married, they say, well, tell me again why you want to be with me. It's like, well, you, you know, you, you, you make a lot of money. I mean, you know, you, you, you know what I mean? You're, it's good. You got, you, got a, you got a good network. I mean, your mama's nice. Or you look cute. We could have good babies together. It's like, well, I know, I know you want to be with me because of all the things you'll get. But do you want me? Do you actually want me? Or do you want the things I offer you? And so be very careful of giving to God everything but you. And it's almost as if, if I give God enough money, it'll create a force field around my life 
where bad things won't happen and only good things will happen. And so David, before he gets to even talking about giving, he says, I wanted it to be willing and please consecrate yourself. Create a space of worship between you and God. The people are coming forward and David then prays a prayer. And this prayer explains his generosity and his view on wealth. It says in 29 and 10, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father forever and ever. So David prays this prayer. And then in verse 11, David says this, yours. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Notice what David says, the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. His prayer was not a prayer to bless the temple. It was not a prayer exclusively to bless the money. The prayer was an acknowledgement of who God is and who he was. I have been given glory, but you get all the glory. I have been given majesty, but you get all the majesty. Everyone knows me for having military victories, but you are the one that has the victory. And if you notice the way that David prays this prayer, the way he phrases it, he says, oh Lord, is the greatness, the majesty, the power. He's saying all power comes from you. If anyone has power, they got it from the Lord. If anyone has majesty, they got it from the Lord. And if anyone has victory, they got it from the Lord. All victory, all majesty, all power, all glory belongs to you. And what he is saying is the $14 billion I gave is nothing to you because it was yours in the first place. But in addition to that, notice how he's praying. He's praying in a way where he's like, I'm not delusional. I know that military victory came from you. I know the house of cedar I got came from you. And I know all things come from you, yours. David prays this majestic prayer. And it is essential David prays this prayer because the people are in awe of him because he's the king. So what is David saying? I am a king, but you are the king. I am a leader, but you are the leader. I am a father, but you are the father. I am fully submitting every area of my life to you, acknowledging all good things came from you. He even says the heavens and the earth, all that is in heaven and earth, is yours. He fundamentally believes every breath he's ever breathed has come from the Lord. Every place he's ever lived was given to him by God. So the earth is the Lord's, 
and we are renting everything. And he is our divine landlord. Complete ownership is to him. If you do not see the humility behind the funds you receive, if you do not see yourself in perspective to who God is, you will fall into the delusion that you got yourself where you are. And what makes matters worse is that if you think you got you to where you are, you will think you have to keep yourself there. In addition to that, when you lose the platform that you're so cherishing right now, you'll think, how do I get back not remembering God got you there in the first place? See, what I believe is when COVID happened and we had 65% of the church leave, I, yeah, I was sad, but I believe the same God that got me the people in the first place will be the same God that will bring people back. We're larger than we were before, not because we're better, but because he's the same God that did it in 2013. He's the same God of 2023. You must know who you are. Money will make you delusional. Power will make you delusional. And, and I'm even talking about a little bit because some of us are real, real proud. We, need, we only need a little bit of hit of pride just to make us think that we're special. And we are special in the broadest sense of speaking, but, but I am still a child of God. And so David prays this prayer in such a way, Romans 12 will say, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think higher of themselves than they ought to think, but to think of themselves with sober judgment. This money, the minute it hits my account, I know yours. This, this apartment, yours. These relationships, yours. 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 He prays that prayer. Verse 11 and 12, he says, O Lord, you are exalted head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all in your hand. Now notice what he says. In your hand are power and might. Say that with me. In your hand our power in your might. Say it one more time. In your hand is power and might. In your hand. Then he says, and in your hand is to make great and give strength to all. Where is this mic right now? Where's this mic? It's in my hand. That means I still have possession of it. And when he says that power and might is in your hand, he's saying the power that I have is on a leash. That if there was some way that we were both holding this mic, I could always say, this is in my hand. This is my microphone. And in the same way, the power that you have can be taken away. The majesty that you have can be taken away. All good things are on a leash. He says it's in your hand. The imagery of a hand, God's hand in the Bible, establishes his sovereignty, his power, and his plan. He's saying, in actuality, you have the power to raise up. You have the power to bring low. God is the one that makes people powerful and rich. But he's also the one that can take it away. So in verse 13 and 14, 
He says, and we, says, and now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? Who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of, uh, and of your own have we given you. You know, when David is displaying true humility is when he says here, who am I? What is my people? He says that we should be even able to offer willingly. Do you know what he's ultimately saying? He's saying the fact that I even want to give to you is from you. You see, because you can get the big head and be like, see how much I give? See, I'm extra spiritual because I give this much. But what David says is, if it had not been the Lord, I wouldn't give anything. My willingness came from you. In fact, he would say, my willingness is based upon his will. I could not even have the desire, not just to give to God, for God himself, if it had not been for the Lord. Paul would say it this way. It's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There is nothing, when you do do something great for God, remember it was God that made you want to do it in the first place. Never believe you are spiritually strong on your own. Someone gave you that strength in the first place. So David says, I can't, I can't believe we give it all this money. Shoot, if it hadn't been for you, we wouldn't give nothing, God. Keep that soberness about you. Keep that humility. Remember who you've been and who you were. David says, oh man, I, I can't believe I'm even offering anything to you. In summary, if you give yourself to God, if you consecrate yourself before the Lord, if you say, Lord, where would I be without you? I just want to do something great for you. I want to honor you. I believe that if, if, if you hadn't come in my life, I don't know where I would be. So one, I want to consecrate. I want to set myself apart for you. Two, I, I, I fundamentally believe that everything has come from you. Everything I have. Even the little bit that I struggle with, I believe that I wouldn't even have that little struggle if it wasn't for you. But I also believe it's in your hand. That what I have right now, you still are holding it. And you can increase and decrease my life. And in summary, if you know that all things come from God, if you've given yourself to God, if, if you even know your motives come from God, then the only thing that makes sense to do with your riches and your resources is to honor God with all your wealth, not just a percentage. You see, honoring God is not about giving it's about living. It's about seeing all your financial decisions under the hand of God. If my daughters come to me on Father's Day to get me a gift, they'll say, Dad, we'd like to get you a gift. And I'm so thankful that they'll get me that tie or that cup, it is very powerful. 
I'm thankful that my kids wanted to buy me a gift. <laughs> but it's my money. Isn't that, isn't that deep? They needed me to bless me. So wouldn't it be wild if they needed me to bless me, but in their life they weren't blessing me as their father? Wouldn't it be weird? They didn't, the, the, the tie or the cut, it doesn't enhance me. I don't need it. What they do is they need to recognize where it came from. They need to keep themselves in proportion. They actually live in my house. They eat my food. They've never paid rent. And it's crazy when a kid starts bucking up, it's just like, oh my gosh, man, this is crazy. Do you know I sustain your life? So, so, so what's actually happening is, kids who live in rebellion to parents are delusional because they're not considering, every, they don't, they, and it's not till they get on their own till they realize, and that's actually how a lot of us came back to the Lord, amen? Isn't that how to, <laughs> we got there on our own, and we realized, man, God, it was better in my father's house. So giving a percentage is not the goal. Giving a percentage is not the goal. Giving a percentage is not the goal. That's not the goal. Now, it's a great goal to begin with, but that's not the goal of your finances. Because if we have percentage thinking, we will begin to think negatively about that percentage. Let me put it a different way. When you get your check from your job and they take money out, the first thing you think about is what are you gonna do with your money? Because, okay, we got those taxes out the way. Now let me do what I want with the rest. And if you're not careful, you'll treat tithing like a tax. Because you'll be like, let me get this 10% or 5% out the way and let me do what I want with the rest. When in reality, it's all the Lord's. If I let you borrow my car for the weekend, and you, you got to use the whole car, and then you brought it back, and it's dusty, ain't no gas in it, it's just, you know, and I'm, I come back and I'm like, what happened? Like, well, we cleaned out the passenger sides. We cleaned out about a tenth of the, the car just, you know, because this is the area that we thought was just enough to give back to you. It's like, no, clean out the whole car because you use the whole thing. Don't look at just a part of it. When I married my wife, I told her daddy I would honor her. Now, what does it look like to honor a percentage of my wife? Praise God, right? That, oh yeah, I love her on the weekends, but during the week, I just can't stand her. No, I love all of my wife. I honor all of my wife because she is a person to be honored. In the same way, God is a person to be honored and recognized with your wealth. To know that all things came from you. All things are by you. 
And what I have, I would not have if it wasn't for you. So the question is, do you, do you want to do something great for God? Do you want to honor him? Now, it's easier to just say, hey, here's a percentage to give to the church and don't think about the rest. And it's like almost creating a law in your mind, like, oh yeah, I'll just do this one piece and I won't even consider the rest. But if you look at all your money as having come from the Lord, then maybe some of you will begin to give more. That would be wonderful. You decided, I believe in the mission of this church. I believe where it's going. I believe they're honoring God and I wanna give my resources. I'd like to get to a goal of giving a 10th of my resources to the church. That is a great goal to have. We would love to partner with you in doing that. But maybe some of you are thinking, you know, I've got some family members that are struggling right now and I wanna be able to bless them and so I want to be able to help people with my resources as well. Maybe you, some of you have children and you got to start thinking about laying up finances for their wealth in the future so that you can have a financial legacy. Maybe some of you will really stop running from debtors and start paying off debt and really begin saying, this is not only yours, but I borrowed this from someone else. And I need to start giving back to people that gave to me. But hopefully, regardless of how much you give to the church, hopefully you see that somewhere there's someone that doesn't have what you have. No matter how broke you feel you are right now, there is someone right now that would dream of your bank account right now. And that means that there's always people around us that are needy. And the way that the church was initially established was by meeting needs of one another. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it talks about how they're devoting themselves to apostles' teaching. Verse 43, about how all came on every soul. And then in verse 45, it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all that had need. That means the church was sitting there thinking about who has needs amongst us. And they cared about that. And they cared about their community and they thought about who could I bless with the resources God has given me. In the end, it's a huge desire for us as a church and my prayer for you as a person that you would not ever look at giving as the only goal. But you would look at the 90% of the rest of your resources as honoring, as being able to honor God with it. But if honoring God is the goal, that means we have to rethink our current spending. Sometimes the fear of missing out entertainment, we've got to die to that so we can have a greater goal. There are Ubers, there are subscriptions, and there are brunches that you may not be able to be a part of. Let me just say that again. There are Ubers, there are subscriptions, and there are brunches that you may not be able to go to because you have a greater goal. And if you have a greater goal, you'll see those as a distraction to the goal. But if you do not have a goal, 
If you do not have a goal, then honoring God will be a distraction to FOMO. You see, you can't serve two masters. Finally, this is what is given in Deuteronomy as a warning. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. When God is not a financial priority, you slip into assumed authority over your wealth. Let me just say that again. When you don't make God a financial priority, you slip into the assumption that you actually have authority over your wealth. But when you honor God, you give him authority over everything you have. And you begin to say, God, what do you want to do with this? And I believe that as you all continue to increase in wealth, God will give you a vision for greater things that you can do and a greater goals that you can have. But if you don't have that as a goal, you'll live in delusion and you'll believe things about yourself that simply aren't true. I wonder if you'd pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that we would just honor you in all things with our resources, what you've given us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that we would not just give financially, but we'd honor you with all of our wealth. Now, Lord, unto you, we pray a blessing over the hearing and the doing of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you'd stand with me. Today we talked about not being able to serve two masters. And basically what we are acknowledging is money can have a mastery over you. It can lead your life. And today, what we really want to be sure of is before we start talking about giving to the church, or giving to God, we have to first acknowledge that piece about consecrating yourself, giving yourself. My ask today is, is everyone here, before we start talking about giving money, have you given yourself? Have you given God the leadership over your life? And today, I wanna offer that to you today. I wanna offer you leadership, that God becomes your Lord. I'm not asking about church membership. I'm not asking about church attendance. I don't, if your mom or dad was a deacon or an elder, or if you've been going to church your whole life, I'm not asking about any, I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about Jesus. Is Jesus the leader of your life? And if you want that, if you want to recommit, or if you want to give yourself to Jesus, I want to offer that to you today. Today today that you want to give Jesus the leadership of your life. Is anyone here that you feel compelled as the message was going forth, that you want to give Jesus the leadership of your life? Is there one? Is there anyone here today that wants to be certain? You want to be certain that Christ has leadership over your life. Don't be afraid. Don't wait. Don't be concerned. Just come. Is there one? Is there one today? Amen. 
We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.